0: Everyone has some sort of a closet that has become too small. A closet is no place to live and I want to support as many people as I can in stepping out of that prison into the fullness of life that is waiting for them on the other side of that door. This is Nancy Shadlock from Centered Life Coaching. Join me in listening to these coming out chronicles. Get curious about their stories. And then go see what good things are waiting for you on the other side of your closet door. Today's episode is humbling for me to have to share with you. In some ways, it it represents one of the deepest shames that I've carried with me and things that I regret. But at the same time, it also carries a story of hope. And so I wanna share it with you today as a way of saying, we're all growing, we're all on a journey, and the hard things are usually not the last things. The last things are the life-giving things and keep going until you see the life-giving things happening in your life. I asked Joe to come back on to the show. You've heard from him in episode 11, and it feels important for me to share with you the ways that I myself was culpable in creating shame and hardship for someone in the LGBT community. I also want to share the growth and the beautiful things that have come even in spite of that. Throughout the story, we mention RVA, and I just wanted to give a preface that that stands for Rift Valley Academy, which is a boarding school in Kenya that we both attended and then I worked at and Joe was a student at at the same time. So join me and hear the rest of the story. So Joe, you have been with us in the past and yes. I wanted to have you back on to fill out a little bit more, to flesh out some, some things that you talked about and to give kind of the backstory on it. Um, you mentioned that you knew me from RVA and yes. that boarding school in Kenya. Um, you didn't mention that I was your dorm mom and I at I think I was maybe 23 or 24 was in Kenya as a dorm mom of 17 17 year old girls that I had under my care it was kind of a crazy role but I did my best
1: we we treated you as this mature adult I thought of you as this wise um... down-to-earth, grown-up person, and now I think, wow, you were so young.
0: Yeah, it was first year out of college, so <laughs> it was crazy. And there, I think that there's a story in that time where we were in the same vicinity that, that we should share with people, because I think it might um, be impactful for others that are navigating this. Yeah. Do you want to share your perspective, and then I can fill in mine? Sure.
1: Yeah, so, um, so at the time that I was in your dorm, so I guess first I should give a, a, a little explanation for, if anyone hasn't heard the previous episode where I explained that I'm, I'm transgender, so I identify as a man, but I was assigned a female sex at birth and I was raised as a girl. Um, so I was in Nancy's dorm as a, as a girl, it was a girl's dorm. Um, so when I talk about knowing that I was gay at the time, um, what I mean is that I knew I was attracted to women at the time, and because I didn't have any language around being trans, um, at the time I, I saw myself as gay, as, as a, as a queer woman. Um, so, yeah, so that is kind of important to understand what yeah. we sexual orientation. Super um, helpful. So, yeah, so, I didn't, um, I didn't dare tell any adult at RVA that I was attracted to women. Um, I... I was terrified of any adult finding out. I was afraid that I would lose my spot at RBA. That I would be expelled if, if anyone found out. Um, I loved RBA. I was really grateful to be
0: there. Um, and, and there's the added pressure there too of if you get expelled from this boarding school, like your parents could have to leave Africa or yeah. wherever they are in ministry. Like there's so much added pressure of any kid screwing up at that school. Then there's like, whoa, so many repercussions. Yeah, and I think
1: my perception was that the threshold for expulsion was pretty low. I, I watched other people get expelled while I was there. Um, and I'd never heard of anyone coming out as queer there. Um, so I had no idea what would happen, but my my fear was that that would lead to expulsion. And I don't think that was an entirely unreasonable fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't dare tell any adult. Um, even if I trusted an adult, I, I wasn't sure if an adult would be um, obligated to inform you know, someone else or informed parents. Um, so I, I figured it was best to just put that on the back burner and try not to think about it, stuff it down somewhere and focus on other things. So that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to put this on the back burner and focus on preparing for college, focus on trying to create different options for myself in um, my adult life. So so then unexpectedly, um, you had us in your living room, in the kind of dorm parent living room. Um, and what I remember—I could be misremembering—what I remember is that you played us a song on your guitar, um, and you told us that you had, in the past, um, struggled with same-sex attraction, but that God, um, God had given you a vision of an orange, which represented your sexuality being, I guess, kind of healthy and good and whole. That God had kind of healed you. And what, what I, how I interpreted what you were saying was that God had healed you of the same-sex attraction. That God had, um, had made you straight. And that I needed God to do the same for me.
0: Mm.
1: I think another take home was that someone I respected and admired had dealt with same-sex attraction, and that was a hopeful message that that helped me feel less alone and less. Um, so I, because you were not some scary heathen, you were my dormant who I trusted, um, it was helpful to know that you know someone who I had a very positive opinion of. I dealt with same sex attraction because it helped me feel like less, um, less defective. I guess, um, mm-hmm. but I did, I did, um, have also a take home message of, I need to, I need God to fix this. I need, I need to deal with this.
0: Mm-hmm. If He can do it for you, He can do it for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my backstory on that was that every Tuesday night, I think it was the dorm parents had to provide a devotional time for the students. And so we would have all the 17 girls come to the dorm mom's apartment and sit around the fire and have to like have some kind of teaching for them. (laughs) So it was often hard to figure out what I would talk about, but yeah, for some reason I felt led to share that. And I was like, I think that someone here may need to hear this. Um, And so what had happened for me was I had, when I was in college, I, I was at a Christian Bible college, quite conservative. And this man named Brad Jerzak had come to do listening prayer with us and teach us this way of listening to God, rather than just like praying where you like leave a bunch of, grocery list on God's answering machine or something like that. Yeah. And, um, and I was super skeptical because at that time I was very conservative Christian and like, that's not how you do it. <laughs> and it seemed really woo woo to me. And so I was skeptical, but I was open. And so I met with this person next to me. We were supposed to just do this exercise in this workshop where we would listen for the other person about this message for them of how God sees them. And yeah, you're, you're remembering it really well. There was this person had an image for me of an orange and all the peels fell off and the sections fell open. And the message was every piece of you is sweet and healthy. And in that I immediately was like, Oh, this is about my sexuality. And I had I had been wondering about it for years and had at different points in my life tried to like speak it out loud to different people and mostly was met with, oh, this is the Bible verses that say it's not okay. You need to just pray it away. And I hadn't been able to up until that point. And then this orange felt like this really significant. Okay, this is telling me that it's, it's happened that every piece of me is sweet and healthy and I don't have to be scared that I'm gay. I'm, I'm healthy and pure and good. And I went on to share that with you and all those other kids in the dorm. And I, as I look back at, at it now, I'm super sad about it because I feel I feel sad for myself that I had to live so many years of thinking like that's the only way that I'm sweet and good is if I'm not gay. And then I feel really sad about you and how I um, portrayed to you that you needed to pray the gay away and that you weren't okay until you did that. And I feel sad for the years that you may be lost in being able to live a healthy and vibrant queer life.
1: I didn't lose much time. I think uh, you probably remember it was. It was not that long after graduating from high school that I was um, lambasting you on—I uh, don't know—Facebook message or email or something—telling you you're gay and you know it. It's totally
0: fine to be gay. So uh... <laughs> it's true. We we did we did have a unique relationship where we were able to keep in touch over the years, and we kind of had this ping pong back and forth of wrestling through sexuality because um, I remember my church in Vancouver was starting to open the conversation and I thought it was so edgy that the church was talking about it and for some reason you and I had had messaged about it at some point but you hadn't told me a lot about where you were at I don't think maybe yeah you know you had come out as as queer right you told me that and so I was like OK, that's cool. Like I would started to have some queer friends in in Vancouver and was starting to be open minded about that and was glad that my church was looking into those things and helping me have some theological stuff to wrestle through with it. And I remember like maybe sending you an article or something we were reading. And and I, I think that's when you were like, yeah, do you want to say?
1: <laughs> yeah. So I think I must have been a sophomore in college because it, it was after. So it was the end of my freshman year in college. That I decided. I'm gay, I can't change that. It's okay to be gay. I described in the when we talked last time about kind of the turning point that I had around that. Um, so once I was kind of ready to come out and be queer, um, I got really mad at you for that for that message because i I felt that kind of contributed to the shame that I carried about being gay and this my fruitless efforts to, to pray the way, which, to be fair, didn't just come from you. It came from Exodus International, whose literature I read, and
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: came from church and youth groups that I was in even before RVA. So, um, so it wasn't just you, but I. But you were, you were on the receiving end of my anger about that, um, even though it wasn't all about you. Um, so I, in a very immature way, uh, I think. Gave you a piece of my mind that I wish I could take back. I think if I could go back in time i would I would try to explain the impact of that conversation on me and that it it did contribute to my um, to my my sense that I needed to change this about myself and that that', that had been um, a painful process that I've been wrestling with for um, you know for about a year after graduating. Um, but but I of course understand now that it wasn't fair for me to try to tell you how you should um, identify or live live your life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was I was an angry nineteen year old. It <laughs> showed. <laughs> yeah, so I was wondering uh, what what you hoped the outcome of that conversation would be. Were you were you hoping that one of us would come and talk to you, or um, did you think I
0: was gay? And- <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying it for you, Joe. <laughs> No, I had no idea that, I don't think I thought anyone in the dorm was gay necessarily, but I, yeah, I I guess I hope that it would open a door that would help kids be able to talk about that, because I, like, I just done a a youth work degree, and so I, I knew that kids struggle with all kinds of things and question all kinds of things. And so I wanted people to know I was a safe space and that they could come and talk to me about that. Um, Not realizing that it in some ways didn't make me a safe space because it, because I like looped it around too. And now I'm not gay, (laughs) but I'm I'm glad that I, at least it, it, it was like it flagged me in your life to know that like, oh, I could talk to Nance about this.
1: Yeah, it it did make you a safe space. I did continue talking to you about it even after graduating. Well, mm-hmm. only after graduating, not, not before graduating. <laughs> if I had talked to you before graduating, would you have told anyone
0: else? Hmm. That's a good question. I think I I would have asked you... Like, if you felt safe, or like if there was any self harm things, I I don't know. Like I feel like only if there was self harm that I'd have to like tell it to the counselor. Um, but I. That's a really good question because I like I know what my now person would do, mm. but I don't know what my then person would have done, and also, I don't remember exactly what the rules would have been there, and there's yeah. Rules there yeah, I really wondered at
1: the time I wondered what the rules were about that, and there wasn't really a way to ask
0: uh, mm-hmm. without
1: you know giving myself away if, if I were to say, so, if I told you I was gay, what would the <laughs> rules be about that? I think that that would have already been telling me so
0: mm-hmm. yeah, that's a really good question, and what would the rules be like today, like right, if someone does come out there. Are they safe to say that, and what what would happen?
1: Yeah, I think one of my concerns about current students too is is if someone talks about their sexuality, are their parents going to be informed? Because mm. that can be a safety issue for a lot of people. Um, and I mean that there are there are a lot of queer youth who become homeless because of of their sexuality in the U.S. And um, who knows what would happen to each individual student, you know, at our VA who, um, based on the you know their own unique family situation, um, so I think that that's one concern that I've had about um, when I think about whether there are current students now who are struggling um, there is I, I wonder um, if if there's any way for them to have a safe place to talk about that at school without without risk of devastating consequences in their Um, their, you know, ability to keep having a home.
0: What would your dream be for RVA?
1: I mean, my dream would be that queer youth can be themselves without fear of repercussions for that. Um, Even if staff always have heterogeneous views on that, even even if it never reaches a point where all staff are accepting, I... My hope is that um, that there are some staff who are, who can be a safe place for students to talk to about these issues without informing anyone else, that as long as there is no concern for the student's safety, that this could be a confidential, um, something shared confidentiality, uh, confidentially. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, I think think my other, my other hope about sexuality in general there is that, um, and, and in other, Communities that I was raised in is that is that there could be more of a focus on um, on consent and boundaries and safety around sexuality rather than a focus on marriage as what determines whether sex is good or not because I think I think it was a really incomplete view of sexuality that I got um, from this this story that all sex outside marriage is wrong and all sex within marriage is right. Um, I think that um, that was a really incomplete story that wasn't very healthy.
0: This episode of the Coming Out Chronicles was brought to you by Centered Life Coaching. We help you know yourself to free yourself and be yourself. And did you know we've got a retreat coming up to help you do just that? It's happening on October 1st to 3rd. And it's happening worldwide on Zoom. So wherever you are, join us. It's called the Shift Retreat, and it's for people who are sick of being stuck and are ready for a change. It's for those who want clarity on how to move forward in their career, dating life, spirituality, or relationships. You'll leave seeing just how incredible you are and how you have already at your fingertips all that you need. To make this shift happen, are you ready to shift into living your best and fullest life? Sign up at centered.ca. Yeah, I remember you said something like, When are you going to admit that you're gay? And, And I was like, Whoa, girl, settle down. And you were like, I'm not a girl. And I was like, Whoa, like it was like two blows of first i was like why are you exposing me and then second i was like oh what like i didn't know this about you and this is i feel so bad that i've like mispronounced you and yeah, it was it was a hard time and i was like scared for a while because i hate conflict and <laughs> didn't didn't know how to then interact with you for a bit
1: yeah, I think we. I was looking back at the messages that were say somehow I don't have anything before junior year, my junior year in college, but I think we started having more friendly mm-hmm. messaging back and forth reasonably soon after that because I I found some messages from before I went on my study study abroad program where we were just talking more more generally and it was it was
0: civil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was being civil. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> and then when i came out you were so excited oh man i <laughs> i was so happy
1: yeah i think i was what was it like 2015 or so that you yeah. you reached out to me on facebook and i in the in the years in between so in the beginning of grad school for me i had been once in a while checking your facebook <laughs> just to see if you had come out or if you were with a man and i think at the time i was i was no longer mad at you i you know you were you were still this dorm mom who I'd really admired, who I at that point, kind of switched to being concerned for, like and kind of I, I think I was I was concerned that maybe you were missing out on the possibility of loving someone if that was something that you wanted, and I was kind mm-hmm. of sad that maybe you still were trying to pray the gay away or something, or um, that maybe you were caught in some kind of shame about sexuality. Um, so I mean, I was, obviously, I didn't know what was going on for you, but I was kind of concerned for you and just hoping that you would that you would find love if that's what you wanted. Um, and so when you reached out to me, and I was like, "Oh, I wonder what's going on," and I went over to your page, and you had your engagement photos posted, and I was so happy. Ran this with my partner. I was like, "Look, my dorm mom."
0: <laughs> yeah, I felt like I needed to reach out to you kind of with my tail between my legs of you were right (laughs) and it took me a long time and I'm I'm sorry like that I felt a lot of shame for a while of like as if I said that in that dorm meeting and hurt you and Like I now take that image. Like I still think that that was an image from God, but I think it was saying every fucking part of you is sweet and healthy. Like not even you don't have to change it or pray it away or like how you are is beautiful and whole and you don't need to be worried about anything. I wish I could have said that to you.
1: (laughs) If you hadn't had that conversation with us, I probably never would have continued talking to you and told you that I was queer eventually
0: hmm.
1: um, because other people that I knew and, and admired from RVA, when I came out, I let myself lose touch. Um, I I was afraid of their rejection and I, I wanted to remember things as they were. I wanted to remember those people as the supportive, in some cases, parental figures that they were. And so I let myself lose, lose touch in order to avoid the possibility of rejection that would leave things on a painful note and so if if you hadn't already opened up this conversation i don't think i would have ever come out to you i don't i think i would have let myself lose touch the way that i did with everyone else
0: Hmm. yeah that's really beautiful to hear that there was a goodness in it like that i at least opened the door to know that we could talk about sexuality together
1: yeah yeah and the story wasn't over then it -hmm. wasn't even over when I was nineteen and <laughs> angry <laughs> at you, and it wasn't over when. When I was out and checking your Facebook to see if, what happened with you, and
0: yeah, that that's a huge piece of advice I have for people: is the story's not over of if, if your family's not accepting of you, or if there's uncomfortable relationships when you first come out, like that's not the end of the story, just keep going. And yeah. time helps a lot of things. Yeah, there've been
1: people who've trickled into my life in the past few years who I I never expected to be accepting. Um, and I, some of them, I probably just misjudged. I probably expected them to be, um, not be accepting when in fact they were. And some of them honestly changed. I mean, we talked in, in the last time uh, last time we spoke about how much my mom has grown and being able to accept me now, and it's taken a long time. Um, but if I if I had just put things away and said the story was over when I was um, when I was 19 or 20, I wouldn't have the relationship I have now
0: with, with my mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really grateful that we've persevered, and this has been a really beautiful relationship over all these years.
1: Yeah, I have your, uh, so your, the Christmas card or holiday card that you sent uh, with you and your wife and your two kids um, is on our, our, we have a cupboard where we have our Christmas cards from all our friends. Um, And if I, if I could go back in time and tell my 17 year old self that Sunday, I would have a picture of you and your wife and your two kids, your super gay family on my (laughs) cupboard with other, I would not believe it.
0: (laughs) I wouldn't either. I would have been like, "Yeah, right. That's not allowed."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's been really beautiful to to watch your family grow and to to be still in each other's lives.
0: Yeah. And then it's just occurring to me that we could also weave back in episode four, where Katura talks about her coming out story and yeah. and how she like her next chapter of coming out was to get more public and she started a Facebook page where students from RVA who are are queer or want to be allies have come together. Like what, Im- what ripple impact has that had for you? Oh, that's been amazing. I,
1: I couldn't believe it when so when Katara announced on the on the other Facebook group that she had started this, I, I just immediately clicked on the link. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Um and I expected there would be a handful of people. Um, I I did not expect the group to grow so much and the stories that reading people's stories has been um, has just meant the world to me to to have this the shared experience with people who I didn't necessarily overlap with, I didn't necessarily ever meet. I mean, I never knew Katara. there, we didn't overlap at the mm-hmm. time. Um she's someone that I met after I mean, know online from from after RBA. Um but having these people with this shared experience who are queer is has been really wonderful for me.
0: Mm-hmm. There's been some conversation in there about do you think RVA staff will ever change? Do you think that people would ever be open to talking about this? And I think that's what prompted us to have this conversation of, we want to show people what time can do when, like when you have these conversations. Yeah. At first people may not be accepting of it or think that it's okay to be gay. And then as time progresses and people grow and change, there can be movement. And so hopefully it's a hopeful story of who knows how staff there will will take things. And you've spearheaded now a group to to talk to the staff and to help create change there, which is so amazing.
1: Even a few months ago, I would have never thought that this would happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely fills me with hope that that maybe maybe at some point in the future, um, someone at RBA who's struggling with their identity could have a safe place to go with that. Um, Even if not everyone is accepting, um, I hope that, when I was there, I didn't know what would happen if I came out, but I was afraid I would be expelled and I didn't think I could tell any adult. Um, And it would be wonderful if at some point Someone in that situation could could talk about what they're going through and um, and not fear being kicked out or, or somehow formally punished um, for that.
0: And suicide rates for queer kids are so high.
1: Yeah, I was actually going to bring up the the mental health impact of yeah believing. At least I think for me the mental health impact of believing that I was defective in this way, believing that um, that I would go to hell if i if I was ever in a relationship with someone I was actually attracted to um, it's a serious thing um, and also the mental health impact of of not being necessarily accepted by really important people in your life, including family um, can be really serious um so i
0: I hope that um I hope that there can be some recognition of that in um, in the types of
1: communities that I grew up in.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's more that can be done that can help a lot of people. Yeah, thank you for spearheading that work. Thanks to Katara,
1: I think she's the one spearheading this this work. So, yeah, I'm so grateful that she started that group. It was mm-hmm. it was a brave thing to do.
0: Mm-hmm. We are all incredible beings and doing our work. And I love seeing how as we step into more and more truth of who we are, it inspires it in other people and it's Mm -hmm. contagious. Thank you for being here with us today and sharing this part of your story.
1: Thanks for, for having me on the show.
0: Thanks for listening to the coming out Chronicles. If you enjoyed it and you think it would be helpful for someone else, please share it with them. If you'd like to connect with me, reach out on social. I'd love to support you in the next chapter of your coming out story. I can help you know yourself, free yourself, and be yourself. Until next time, this is Nancy Shadlock from Centered Life Coaching.